This is 50 Reasons to Visit Britain. We're your hosts, Joe Donna and Caitlin Potts. Coming up on today's show, we're back from a several month hiatus and celebrating with a wee dram. Caitlin learns being sick in Scotland beats being healthy anywhere else. Joe chimes in on a very controversial topic Scotch whiskey versus Irish whiskey. And we're back to our food and drink theme with reason number 23. Everyone, and welcome to episode 23 of our 50 Reasons to Visit Britain from Crystal Travel and Tours in Boston. My name is Caitlin, and I am super pumped to be back with you guys today. My name is Joe, and I am super pumped to be back with you guys today. <laughs> that doesn't sound like something I'd say. No, no. But I am. We're, we're happy to be back podcasting. It's been a while. We are. It's been a hot minute, right? Yes. During each episode, we'll be focusing on a new and exciting reason to travel to Britain. Today, reason number 23 is British whiskey. Now, I don't think I've ever heard that being said before, those two words together, British whiskey, it's usually Scotch whiskey, Irish whiskey, and even sometimes you hear English whiskey or Welsh whiskey, but never British whiskey. But obviously, this is 50 Reasons to Visit Britain, and our topic today is whiskey. Hence, the British whiskey. Yes, yes. We're excited. We're pumped. I I always think Ron Swanson when I think like whiskey. I think whiskey is like a very like... Not, I'm going to sound so sexist, but I think of it as like, it's like a man's drink. And I've definitely set women back so many, so many things, so many whatever. And I'm so sorry. I'm a woman. I drink whiskey. I don't mean it like that. But I just think of Ron Swanson as like a whiskey guy. Does that make any sense? Yes, it does. Still problematic for you to say it, but yes. I know. <laughs> I know. Anyway, women can drink whatever they want to drink. I feel like I need I need to have some kind of a, I don't know. <laughs> drink whatever you want, ladies. Getting yourself in hot water. I know, I know. Backpedaling like crazy. Going to be in a big Twitter feud over this. Let's let's get me out of this and move on to BuzzFeed, our BuzzFeed quiz. So for this um, for this reason, our quiz was which Game of Thrones whiskey is your drink. I enjoyed this quiz, Joe. Yeah, so uh, I was pleasantly surprised it existed, first of all. And second of all, I don't think we've podcasted since Game of Thrones ended, have we? I believe we have not, no. So I'll get it out of the rail really quickly. Yes, very disappointed with season eight, but I still love the show. So don't worry. Everything's going to be fine. That's that's very, very uh, diplomatic of you. Very nice. Everybody, that, that's good, good, good. So what did you get from this quiz? What was your result? My result was House Stark, Dalwini Winter's Frost. Ooh. Which, which I'm okay with. Okay. The sweet whiskey starts with the development of honey and fresh fig on the palate, followed by a delicious maltiness and rich fruitcake finish. This, offer, this offering utilizes a high proportion of rejuvenated casks to amplify the spicy character of the liquid. Naturally, it's best served over ice, which, I don't know, I'm not really a whiskey ice guy, so maybe we'll forget that line is there, but yeah. Well, 
for me, I actually, I kind of really want to order what I got. Um, I like one, I just like the bottle and two, it sounds delicious. So I got house Targaryen Cardu gold reserve. This spirited dram smells of baked apple with baking spices open on the first nosing, then transforms on the palate into a rich caramel. And I say caramel, not caramel. Sorry, everybody. Character with hints of clove, red apple, and a gentle nuttiness. Like the female-led Targaryen family, the Cardew Distillery was pioneered by Helen Cumming and her daughter-in-law, Elizabeth, during the 1800s, a time when the whiskey industry was almost entirely male-dominated. I would like some of that whiskey. That sounds good. Okay, so let's move on to our crystal map for the reason. 41 bottles of Scotch whiskey are shipped from Scotland to 175 markets around the world each second. Each second. Wow. That's crazy. That is insane. That totals to over 1.2 billion bottles shipped every year. I... I'm just at a loss with those. Wow. More than 10,000 people are directly employed in the Scotch whiskey industry in Scotland, and over 40,000 jobs are supported by the industry across the UK. Not a bad industry to get into, I'm uh, pretty sure. Some 20 million casks lie maturing in warehouses in Scotland, waiting to be discovered. That is so much money. I know. It's crazy money. It's ridiculous insane. So we're going to dive into this more, um, but get ready to hear all about aqua vitae, the water of life. And that is the Latin name for distilled alcohol. So woohoo. Whiskey, whiskey, whiskey. Um, yeah. In case it's not obvious from the crystal math, we are going to have a pretty heavy focus on Scotland today, but it's hard. It's hard not to, obviously. Um, it's a lot of the reason people go to Scotland. It's a lot of the, the reason people like whiskey. Um, so we are going to have a heavy focus on it, but we will definitely talk about Wales and England as well as part of, as part of um, our whiskey chat today. But getting into it, we will start with Scotland. Um, whiskey is Scotland's national drink. So it's only fitting that we start there. It's enjoyed all over the world as well as by the Scottish natives. And what makes a whiskey a Scottish whiskey, I hear you ask, Corey, Scotch whiskey? To be called Scotch whiskey, the spirit must be matured in oak casks in Scotland for at least three years. However, most single malt whiskies go for much longer periods of time before they emerge and are ready to be enjoyed. A three-year-old whiskey would be considered swill, probably. Um, I they're the ones that you can buy um Tesco and places like that for the you know, seven and eight euro or whatever it is, um, and that you've never heard of. Most you know, reputable whiskies would be probably at least ten years old, which is obviously a long time to be keeping them going. And then obviously the older they get after that, generally the more expensive they get and the more refined usually. Um but but also stronger tasting i guess because they spend a lot longer in the casks getting even more flavor and sometimes they get switched casks as well to uh switch up the flavor a little bit yeah all very interesting skilled distillers take pure water from crystal clear streams and plump golden barley 
from the fields and transform them into this iconic spirit. It's then poured into oak casks and tucked away to mature. And as I said, that could be from three to 30 years. There are currently 128 operating Scotch whiskey distilleries across Scotland, and they are spread across five regions. The five regions being Campbelltown is one, known for its maritime flavor from Mull of Kintyre's Sea Mists. Campbelltown is, it's not really a peninsula, but it's definitely like a piece of land that is connected to the mainland, but that kind of juts downwards, it's narrow and thin, so it's got a lot of um, coastline, basically. That coastline um, plays a huge role, as you can see the, the sea mists roll in, and a lot of time you can get a salty taste or a little bit of a, a salty taste off some of the whiskies there. The Lowlands would be the second whiskey region, which is famous for light, peated whiskies, aka the Lowland Ladies, that have sweet, grassy notes and a gentle style. The Lowlands whiskies probably aren't that overly famous. I'm not really sure why, but I don't know too many people that they're like, yeah, love, love me a good Lowland whiskey. But it is a region, and it's got its own part of the history, and good for it, I guess. Highlands is the third whiskey region in Scotland. It's the largest geographical whiskey region. Being that it's such a vast region, it's hard to distinguish this whiskey as it's more varied throughout the area. And they tend to be very full-bodied and can have sweet, fruity malts. Isla is the fourth region, and Isla is my favorite region. It's been crowned Scotland's whiskey land, known for malts that are pungent, powerful, and characterful. Its single malts have smokiness with faint notes of sea air and seaweed. Isla is a pretty small isle off Scotland, and it has, I think, nine distilleries on it right now. There was eight, and I think they added one recently. And similar to Speyside, like, you cannot go very far without finding them. There's actually, I think there's three, if not four of them, within a mile stretch on the south coast, which is, you know, crazy. They're just neighbors to each other. And they all have very similar taste and that taste is very peaty smoky um probably the honestly the hardest whiskey to drink i think for a lot of people and it's it's a, it would be the reason why some people if they started on an isla they'd be oh whiskey burns too much it's too it's too hot it's too smoky whatever that's it's not a great one for people to start on and then the fifth and final region is speyside Known for its sweet, fruity notes, hints of nuts and malt, and a refined smokiness. A lot of them do have smokiness, which is interesting but not surprising because of the way they essentially dry the barley um, using fires underneath. Uh, if you think of putting a floor of barley up in your attic and leaving it up there and then lighting fires underneath, and using the smoke and the heat from the fire to dry the barley out, essentially, that's what they do. So obviously, they're going to have some sort of smokiness or um, fire taste. So yeah, that's, uh, that's why that happens. I have a love-hate relationship with the smokiness. Like, I, I don't know. I mean, obviously, that the obvious reason to hate it is because if it's just too much, you know, for just too much for your taste buds. But it's also... I feel like, ooh, this is... Oh, yeah, it's definitely... You know you're drinking something real. Um, like, it's not... Yeah, exactly. It, it's never going to taste cheap, I don't think. But but I understand, I understand at the same time why people 
might not like it. And even I, like, it's my favorite. The smoky peaty whiskeys are my favorite, but sometimes I'm just not in the mood for them. Yeah. And especially during the summer, I find myself not drinking any whiskey because it's just like hot on hot. So, yeah. For sure. How do you feel about people who like mix like whiskey and Coke or like whiskey ginger, like whiskey and ginger ale? What do you think of that? Um, I would be a look, anybody, anybody could do whatever they want. I'm not going to judge people, but I'm also not going to do that with a single malt. Um, I don't, I don't do anything with single malts. I like, I like to have them neat. Yeah. 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 Um, or I will sometimes put in a drop or two of water just to open it up, as they say. Sure. But, um, with blended whiskeys, do whatever you want. You can put in ice, you can put in coke, you can mix it in with tea for all I care. I don't mind. But uh, yes, zero judgment but from for Joe. For me specifically, yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't water down a single malt um, unless it's like one of the three-year-old ones that we talked about, um, which is <laughs> then it's fair game. <laughs> All right. So there are a lot of great ways to explore Scotch whiskey um, and the whole Scotch whiskey scene in Scotland, of course. A great introduction to that is the Scotch whiskey experience in Edinburgh. And this is amazing, whether you're an old pro and you're a connoisseur to the whiskey scene or you've never tasted a drop of it in your life, this tourism attraction is sure to be a showstopper. You'll be, wait for it, wait for it, whiskeyed away into the art and history of this beloved spirit and the huge impact it has on Scottish culture. That's the best pun you've made in months, Caitlin. <laughs> I have a few more up my sleeve uh, for this episode, so stay tuned. Um, but yeah, no, this is... I, so I've talked to past clients of ours who have taken this um, this tour, gone to this Scotch whiskey experience, and they come back just it, – it's literally it's, – it's one of their favorite things. Like they just dote over, I now know my favorite kind of whiskey and this and, this, and it's just like it sticks with them, you know, and it's an experience that you're not quick to forget anytime soon. Um, and – I, for example, um, did not forget my experience. So I'm not much of a whiskey connoisseur in case it wasn't completely obvious from the start of this episode. But I went um, last fall, I was in Edinburgh, and I went on this little um, experience. And it was so amazing. So they give you these scratch and sniff cards and each one of the little scratch and sniff um, sections on the card is one of the whiskey regions that we mentioned or that Joe mentioned earlier. Um, and what you do is you go and you sit down and you watch this movie um, with other people who are on your tour. And it's this huge panoramic screen. You, you feel like you are literally in these regions in Scotland. Um, it goes over each of the five regions. And after going over each region, it, you know, the narrator says, okay, like time to sniff your card or whatever. And you do. So, you know, you smell the scent that is associated with the whiskey from each region. And it is so cool. Um, so, you know, you, you watch this video and you're, you sit in these barrels, um, that take you on like the journey that whiskey, 
um, has had over the years um, from the time, you know, it was first created with monks, you know, and, and onwards um, and how it's enjoyed in Scotland today and how it's affected the world. So anyway, you know, at the end of the tour, um, you go to this tasting room, you sample a wee dram from each region. And yes, wee dram is what they call it out there. Um, you pick your favorite. And then you get to go into an even cooler room and it's just, it's so fun. Um, you have a little toast and you celebrate and it's just amazing. Um, and going off of what you said, Joe, I learned during um, my Scotch with the experience that my favorite was actually the Lowlands. I know you said earlier. Oops. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I know you said it's not all that popular. And I mean, it, 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 you're super onto something because I'm not big into like the traditional, you know, hard smoky, you know, whiskey, but I, I mean, I'll definitely try any kind of whiskey, but I remember liking that the best. Um, and it's, you know, truly a state of the art experience. It pulls out all the stops and it leaves nothing by the wait for it, wait for it, wait for it. Bayside. Nice. Did you like that? I'm a fan of that one. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, I'm glad you approve. Um, no, it is. It's amazing. Um, Joe, I know you You have also been on this tour, correct? I'm sure you've gotten to enjoy it. Yeah, I've done it twice now, I think. Oh, uh, the first time I was, I was similar. <laughs> yes, sorry, I just wanted one up here. That was, that was the main reason I said that. Um, no, the first time I went in, I had a similar experience to where I was. It was really, really cool, and I didn't know all that much about whiskey and I didn't know what my favorite was. And it, it was there that I realized that I tried the, um, the Isla one for the first time. And I was like, Oh, this is, this could be me. And it started, started me on my whiskey journey. Second time I went was with Christina and there was a bachelor party or a stag party behind us, which was not ideal for. Oh no. They were they were already drunk at one o'clock in the day, and they were just talking and being obnoxious. So didn't have as enjoyable experience the second time. But that's oh no, that is nobody's fault except for the drunk guys behind us. So, <laughs> but we we tried so hard because you get let in in batches. Basically, like it's you just pay and you go on the barrel ride, and then I know you know this, but I'm telling the deals. Um, and then they split up like the first 30 people go in a group together. So we tried to get into the next group ahead of the bachelor party. Uh-huh. But for some reason, they, they took a, a much bigger group. So they were the last ones allowed in on our group. Then. And it was just, uh, it was just not fun, unfortunately. Uh, yeah, I would think not. Well, it sounds like you had more fun than I did, at least the first time you went because I was sicker than a dog um, when I went. So Sabrina um, and I both went and we both got really bad colds um, from being in Ireland just a few days before then. And I don't know, just being in the rain and the cold and other people on our trip had been sick and it was just spreading around. But anyway, so we were both super sick. I think I had it a little bit worse than Sabrina, but you know, it's fine. I powered through. But after the experience, we went to the cafe um, that they have on site there. And I had the best hot toddy ever. It was so good. And I just, it didn't totally make my cold go away, but it was probably the highlight of 
Okay. Rewind. The highlight was the scotch whiskey experience, but the highlight after that was the hot toddy. It just made everything so much better and it was just amazing. And the Scots know what they're doing. And that's that's all I'm going to say on the matter. It was great. Sounds fair to me. Pardon the interruption, but we would like to ask you all to subscribe to us on Apple Podcast, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, and lots more. We would really appreciate your reviewing us on any and all of these, as that is the best way for new listeners to find us. Right now, we have a segment called Caitlin's Little Jack Horner, which is Cockney rhyming slang for Caitlin's Corner. In this segment, we give Caitlin some slang, and she has to guess what the translation is to proper English. Caitlin. Yes. Today's slang is gold watch. Gold watch. It's actually quite an easy one today, so I'll be sad if you don't get it. But anyway, I'm not going to... Oh, I think I know. I think I know. Well, you're not telling me now because we have two more segments to do (laughs) and you can tell me at the end of the episode. Okay. All right. All right. So now that we've told you a little bit about Scotch whiskey, we're going to talk about some of our favorite distilleries. And keep in mind, there are loads of distilleries in Scotland, and while we wish we could, we simply can't discuss them all. If we had even a 10-hour episode for you guys, we're sure we'd still barely scratch the surface. So take that list with a grain of salt. Um, You know, we're, we're sorry, Scotch whiskey connoisseurs. We're doing the best we can here, but we love whiskey probably just as much as you do. You might love it more than we do, but I don't know. Joe, you might love it as much as they do, right? Yep. Maybe. Yep, yep, yep. Okay, I'll move on. So Campbelltown is our first region we're going to go over. One of the um, distilleries that stands out in this region is the Glen Scotia Distillery. This is one of the smallest whiskey distilleries, but it certainly makes up for it in flavor. As a single malt whiskey, Glen Scotia was highly valued by blenders in the mainland throughout the 19th century. It's recently seen major renovations and offers tours and tastings to the public. In the Lowlands region, we've got Glen Kinchy Distillery. This place was founded in 1837 and is set in an area with great ties to Bonnie Prince Charlie. It's also the home of the Edinburgh Malt and houses an excellent exhibition of all this great history and more. I feel, I feel like I should stop you there, Caitlin. The last time we were in Scotland, I don't know how it or why it happened, but we were... Um, I think it was the day we were in Sky, and I think I told this story before, but it was just so funny to me. Every single place we went, they were like, oh, and Bonnie Prince Charlie was here, and he spent the night here with his girlfriend or his wife or whatever, and they were, you know, running across Scotland, and they were hiding in bushes, and while they were on the run, they spent a night here. And then we go to the next place, and they'd have a Bonnie Prince Charlie story, and then the next place, they, they all had Bonnie Prince Charlie stories. I think everywhere in Scotland has Bonnie Prince Charlie history, and if they don't, they will claim they do in some way, but uh, I just I thought that was funny, because we all noticed it, and, and every time we'd go a place, then we'd have to not look at each other when they mentioned Bonnie Prince Charlie, because it was just, some of them were really, really tenuous connections you know oh gosh yeah bonnie prince charlie passed a stranger on the street whose brother used to own this building yeah exactly bonnie prince charlie once bought a dog from the person down the street yeah. 
<laughs> you know what you do? You make a, a Scotch whiskey drinking game of all the times they mention him, yeah, right? That's what we'll do next time. There you go. There you go. All right. Now moving on to the Highlands region, we've got the Oban Distillery. This is located where the Highlands meet the islands and is home to 14-year-old single malt whiskey. Come here for the drams, but stay for the scenery. It's nestled below the steep cliff that overlooks Oban. Isla has Lagavulin Distillery, situated in a small bay near the south coast near the ruins of Dunyveig Castle, and thought to be one of the longest established distilleries in the country. And last but never least, we've got Speyside with Glenfiddich Distillery. This is the world's most awarded single malt whiskey distillery. And going off of that, I should mention Glenfiddich is one of the very um, well-known, well-renowned distilleries. But all of these distilleries on this list are um, ranked four, if not five stars by Visit Scotland. So there you have it. Excellent. I have three things to say on those last three whiskeys, believe it or not. Do it. Oban Distillery was the first distillery I went to. Um, I've actually I've done the tour twice there too now, and the tour both times was excellent, and it's a really nice little distillery. But the first time I went, I didn't have my love for whiskey yet, so I had Oban for the first time. I was like, eh, it's okay, but now I really, really like Oban, and it's up there with some of my favorite whiskeys. Um, Lagavulin Distillery is Ron Swanson's favorite distillery, and that's all I have to say on that. And Glen Fiddich is actually pronounced Glen Fiddich. Oh, there you go. Wow, it's a, it's a common mistake for Americans to you make. Know. So don't worry I mean, we, yep. we can't all be Joe Donnellan, and most of them also pronounce Isla Islay. So that I've done before. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> So you're learning all the time. Yeah. <laughs> all the time. <laughs> all right. So we have spoken at length about Scotch whiskey at the moment. And I did promise that we would touch on England and Wales as well, because this is 50 reasons to visit Britain. And because we'd rather not get a bunch of hate mail, we simply couldn't leave England and Wales out from this episode. Stay with us, whiskey purists. We realize England and Wales not, may not be as big on the British whiskey scene, but that doesn't mean that they don't have a lot to offer in their own right. Unlike Scotland, the Welsh whiskey background isn't as well documented. It certainly exists and has made its own name for itself. A few decades ago, the phrase Welsh whiskey would have sounded a bit unusual. But in the last 10 years, a single distillery in the Brecon Beacons National Park changed that. Penderin whiskey... Penderin Whiskey. Penderin Distillery is the first commercially available Welsh whiskey for nearly 100 years. The beautiful Brecon Beacons in southern Wales provides a great habitat for distilling. Penderin Whiskey is known for its full body vanilla taste and spicy fruit nose. I don't know anything about this whiskey, but that doesn't surprise me that much. But did surprise me the first time we went, to, we went to Wales was that we went and we visited a vineyard, which I was surprised by. Yes, Welsh Welsh wine is actually a thing. So there are a, there are a few. Yeah, there's definitely more vineyards in Wales than there is whiskey distilleries. Really? Um, so 
having that description as the full body vanilla taste and spicy fruit nose doesn't surprise me because I'm sure it's kind of going off the the wine side of things there. Um, beer, beer is also a big deal in Wales, so I don't know. Maybe whiskey is going to become bigger there. Who knows? But yeah, huh. here we are. And then in England, England's a much bigger country, obviously. Sure, There's a bit sure. more of a connection to whiskey than most people realize. Distilleries produced malt and grain whiskey in England as far back as the 1800s. However, the last English distillery closed around 1905. From then on, the English focused their energy on gin, wine, and beer. Then in 2006, the English Whiskey Company was founded. It's the first English distillery in more than 100 years, and they offer various ages named accordingly in chapters. Example, chapter 5, chapter 6, etc. And those are in level, like based on levels of maturity, from what I understood. That makes sense. Um, and um, the way they market themselves, it's pretty interesting. They reference to drinking their whiskey as basically telling a story um, and, you know, different chapters of, of their um, whiskey are different parts of their story and you're kind of following along with them and you're on the journey with them kind of, which I thought was kind of cool. Very nice. And of course, we aren't mentioning today, but if you want to go back and listen, we definitely did a an interview with Millie Forrester from the Lakes Distillery up in the Lake District, Northern England. I can't remember what episode that was, but it was probably the Lake District episode. That would be another distillery in England that uh, has started producing whiskey very, very recently. So you can go back to listen to that. We try not to um, we try not to say the same thing twice here if we can. Obviously, we do overlap a little bit. But, uh, Except Joe's in my stories that, you know, you... <laughs> <laughs> no, we, we, we don't we, over and over and over we refuse to apologize um i mean they just get better with each retelling so <laughs> usually usually when you say it, we refuse to apologize you know, i'm sorry but we refuse to apologize for that <laughs> yes. Caitlin. yes you've had you've had a long long time to try and figure out what gold watch might be copy rhyming slang for you were very excited that you thought you might have it. <laughs> Can you tell me what it is? I'm going to go with Gold Watch Scotch. Woo! Yay! Cue the confetti. I, <laughs> confetti cannons. And yeah. Um, yeah, I, get, I give you an easy one to get back into the swing of things. Because wow. I, I'm nice wow. that way. I am. Wow. Thank you so much, Joe. Wow. I You know, one day, maybe I'll... Maybe I'll be quite as, as experienced and skilled as you in the Scotch whiskey world, right? Wow. That's, uh, can't tell if you're being sarcastic or not. <laughs> That's part of my charm. Part of my charm. Uh, let's, all right. <laughs> let's move on to our quiz. Are you ready for, for a few um, British whiskey questions? No, but I'll give it a go. You are. I feel like you are. You'll get these. All right. We have three questions, Joe. And I don't think any are multiple choice. No, I don't think so. Yeah, no. Okay. So here we go. Here we go. Okay, number one. According to legend, monks first brought the art of whiskey distilling from Ireland to which Scotch whiskey region? 
which of the five? And I guess this could be multiple choice. So your your choices are <laughs> Campbelltown, Lowlands, Highlands, Isla, or Speyside. Uh, yeah. I kind of want to say Isla or Campbelltown. Um, and that's just purely because they're closer to Ireland, to be quite honest. And also I know that the monks liked to be in solitude. So an island or somewhere way out in the sea would make a lot of sense. I'll just go with Isla. Ding, ding, ding. Nice. You got it. I am good. All right. These last two are, well, okay, I'll just go ahead. (laughs) That sounds so reassuring, doesn't it? Okay, so number two. Frank Sinatra was buried with a bottle of what type of whiskey? Now, I'll give you a hint. This is an American whiskey, so. Yeah, Johnny Johnny Walker, probably. Are you maybe? Oh, 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 you mean an actual American, not an American Scotch? Okay. This is a weird question then. Um, uh, God. Think of some very popular American whiskeys. Let me. No. This is a. This is a tough one, Caitlin. Let's see. Let's see, I know some ones that are popular these days, but Sinatra has not been around for a little while. True. Do you want a hint? Yeah. Uh, starts with a J. <laughs> it's not Johnny, but it might be another name. Uh, I don't know my American whiskeys at all. <laughs> what are some other J names? Think about my Halloween costume. <laughs> oh, Jack. Jack Daniels. Yes. Yeah, well, For anyone listening, last year was I was Coke yeah. and someone else was Jack Daniels and we were Coke and whiskey and that's why. That, that was that was my hint. Okay, yay! Let's pretend you got that one. Yay! Woo-hoo. Technically I did. All right, Joe. So we have gotten through two of our three questions. Last one you definitely with flying colors. So um, this last question, it's technically kind of more of an American question, um, but I thought it was interesting. So, and it is related a little bit to what we've been talking about. So um, as we mentioned, whiskey is the national drink of Scotland. So bringing things over to America, which state has whiskey as its official beverage? I would have to guess Kentucky, which is obviously wrong by by your silence. (laughs) Well, maybe. Maybe somewhere close to Kentucky, but also not Kentucky. (laughs) I've already guessed Kentucky, Caitlin. It's not Tennessee, is it? Okay. It it is. Actually, no, it's not (laughs) Kentucky. I was thinking of a different state than it is. The answer is Alabama. (laughs) I was thinking Tennessee. Nope, nope. It is Alabama. So you basically... Yeah, I wouldn't wouldn't have had that, sorry. That's okay. You basically got the ball. And in fairness... We'll call it two and a half. We're not experts in Alabama tourism, in fairness. So um, 
I'm surprised that yeah, that that was not your best quiz, Caitlin. Really? I thought they were very good. <laughs> I'm gonna give myself five stars. So there. Wow. Well, that's all that really matters. That's all that matters. That's all that matters. Okay, and just to redeem yourself, because for this question, there is no right or wrong answer, I have a number four question for you. And that is, being that you are from Ireland originally, I know you have obviously gotten on the Scotch whiskey bandwagon and everything. How would you compare Irish whiskey to Scotch whiskey? You can't. You cannot compare the two, Caitlin. First of all, you, you said to redeem myself. To redeem myself. I did very well in that quiz. Anyway. Um, look, there's no, as you said, there's no right or wrong answer and there isn't, um, well, whiskey did originate in Ireland, as you mentioned in the first question, and it was then brought over to Scotland. Obviously the Scots have done a better job in the last couple of hundred years, um, really putting their own stamp and brand on Scotch whiskey and bringing it to the masses. Whereas in Ireland, it mostly died out, to be honest, up until recently. So it is, um, it can be hard to compare the two, I guess, because a lot of the, a lot of the most famous Irish whiskies are blends, like your Jamesons and your Tullamore Jews and all them. But I am excited to see that there are lots of distilleries coming back. I think when I was in Ireland in March this year, I was talking to a couple of people who work in the the whiskey industry and they were saying that there is a new distillery opening every month this year in Ireland, which is super exciting. And a lot of the people that are, um, are embedded in these, in the whiskey industry in Ireland have years and years and years of experience at whether it's in Scotland or in distilleries in Ireland and they're kind of branching out a little further. So it's really cool. And they're using, historical buildings or historical areas or history of Irish whiskey to build into their brand as well, which is, it's really cool. It's not just like, Hey, here's a new whiskey that's just opening, whatever. So it's kind of cool. And as well as that, it's there's similar rules in Ireland to being allowed to be an Irish whiskey. You have to be at least three years maturing before you can become so. So even with these distilleries opening right now, they're not going to be producing whiskey for another three years, which is, cool in and of itself builds a little bit of anticipation that is cool yeah nice well that's that's a decent answer like i said you know not that wow thank you (laughs) appreciate your ringing endorsement there i'm just teasing you no i i concede absolutely both sides to that um and how you know both types of whiskey are good in their own right and i agree with you on that so let's move on to our hidden gems are Britain unwritten, if you will. Going along with our theme for this reason, we've got hidden gems along the malt whiskey trail. These are spots you won't find on typical tourist routes. So the malt whiskey trail is the only trail of its kind in the world. It takes in seven world-famous working distilleries, one historic distillery, and the fascinating Speyside Cooperage. This is truly an ideal place to discover more about the ancient art of Scotch whiskey making. Now, while you're doing that, because we've talked about whiskey pretty much this whole episode, our hidden gems are picturesque sites that you'll discover while you take the trail. And a few of those that you will see are 
Queen's View. This spot was named after its famous visitor, Queen Victoria. It's not hard to see why she visited when you catch a glimpse of the picture-perfect view of River Spey and Spey Valley. The other of these hidden gems on our list is Ochnadoon Castle. This is a stronghold dating back to the 1400s, and its ruins stand alone in a spectacular setting amid a beautiful remote location full of perfectly framed vistas. And I will add um, a little tip. Please do not drink your whiskey before um, going to that area because we don't want any um, 50 reasons accidents here. That would not be a good call. We do not recommend drinking and driving. We don't recommend drinking and um, climbing up these said hills, mountains, whatever. And um, yeah, I think I covered Correct again, Caitlin. And one thing that a lot of the distilleries actually do these days is if you do have a designated driver, rather than them just not being allowed or able to partake in the whiskey tasting at the end, they do give you a little plastic container with a lid on it, and you can bring it home and you can taste it later, which is which is nice, I think. Oh, that is nice. So thoughtful. So thoughtful. All right, Joe. Well, what's our tour for this reason? Can you take it away? Our tour for this reason is a day tour, Caitlin. Um, usually we'll put together a longer tour for whiskey enthusiasts and we can absolutely do that but there's no point in me telling you hey we're going to send you to this distillery and that distillery and the other distillery and you're like actually i really just want to go to isla so that's why we're doing a day tour more than that is just more to touch on um touch on what you can do in a day tour from edinburgh if you are spending you know three or four days there and not really getting out and about to see the rest of the country so Glengoyne Distillery is not far away. You couldn't imagine a more idyllic setting. It sits at the foot of a beautiful hill and houses wonderful copper stills. Um, that distillery is used on a lot of our day tours that we actually do out of Edinburgh or that we book out of Edinburgh with one of our partners. And I've done that one as well, and it is very cool. So um, highly recommend that. Uh, Loch Norman National Park, admire the views and take postcard perfect photos to share with your friends and family and Deanston Distillery this impressive distillery is the only one in Scotland that produces its own electricity believe it or not which is how about that pretty cool so why day tours Scotland is a wonderful playground for tourists and visitors but it can be tough to navigate and see everything and just as Caitlin spoke about a couple of minutes ago, drinking and driving is not a good idea. So that's just one of the perks of an escorted day tour. You can sit back and relax without having to worry about the drive. It's also a great way to break up your time staying in the city and meet like-minded people. So there you have it. I mean, I'm sold. Caitlin, we've made it through an episode for the first time in months, meaning you get to see a cute animal for the first time in months because this is the only place this is the only place you get to see cute animals right <laughs> of course this is all I have going for me <laughs> I think the, the main story Caitlin told me before we started recording the episode today was that she saw a pug yesterday and her yes. advances or her efforts to just go to get to pet the pug that was her main story so <laughs> <laughs> I was very adamant about getting to pet this dog and there was nothing that was going to stop me. And I was trying not to be creepy about it. So do with that what you will. (laughs) 
you succeeded in one part, but not the other. <laughs> right. All right. Give me this cute, this cute. <gasps> not even a real one, but I like it. <laughs> okay. The only thing I don't like about this is it looks like he was smoking. However, <laughs> wow. maybe. Maybe he took that out of someone's mouth and he's like, "Uh uh-uh, not on my watch. No, we're going to get you off of that and you're going to get the, we're going to get you the pack and you're going to be, you're going to be cold turkey. (gasps) Look at him! Uh, I I think he just likes the smell, to be honest. I don't think he actually smokes it. (laughs) Jack Russell's Terrier Whiskey. Oh my goodness. Look at that face. I mean, I get it. Like it's not a real dog, but it definitely does the trick. Oh my gosh. I would like Jack Russell's Terrier Whiskey and this Terrier into my life. Please and thank you. Um, ready? He, he looks like he just asked for another whiskey and you were like, are you sure that's a good idea, Mr. Terrier? Um, you've already had seven. And you're also not allowed smoke in here. <laughs> and That's where like, the conversation is at at the moment. Excuse me. How dare you? I'm a paying customer. I'm also not driving tonight. And and, and, and I have my own whiskey. So. <laughs> my own whiskey. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Do we think he gets another another hit? Or what do we think? I think he can drain the bottle. He's fine. I think he could do it. I think he can. He could drink with the best of us, right? Uh-huh. Oh my gosh, that was adorable. Thank you, Joe. You're welcome. He's precious. He's so cute. All right, everybody. Well, it's last call. The bartender is cutting us off, um, but we will have plenty more reasons to visit Britain brewing up for you very soon. We hope you'll join us next time for reason twenty-four. Tea. Tea. And tea, tea, which is fun. It's a fun, it'll be fun. And please make sure you subscribe, rate, interview us on Apple Podcasts. Right, Joe? Yes, correct. Please, 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 and thank you. Please, 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 please. All right. Well, thank you for listening. Bye-bye. Cheerio.